This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. The trifecta of nights. All the... We joined the NFL with this super wild card weekend, and we get to see Troy Reader lead the Rams to victory. <laughs> I was laughing so hard I when he made that him. play. I was laughing so hard. I was going to make a joke about it on Twitter. It's like, you know what? I'm trying to be nicer. Not even to Troy Reader. Just no. putting that stuff out in the world. I always have reservations about it. It was mostly about you and the fact that Troy Reader made a huge play in this game. You were the only person I could think about in that moment. I got tagged about three or four times. I, that's it's about Troy Reader is a new guy now. Just keep swimming with him. But it's yeah, it's it's Amir Smith Marset and it's it's uh, Kendrick Bourne and it's Troy Reader now. He's Troy one of Reader my boys for the now. wrong reasons. Yes, Troy Reader for yes. the wrong reasons. But so one, one tie I, all tie. <laughs> we're gonna talk about the Cardinals' future a little bit later on this show. I think that coming out of that game, that's the most interesting aspect of this in my yeah. mind. But let's kind of just go through what that game was like. I mean, just an absolute down Uh, from the first possession you know when we go through these games and one of the little sections that we kind of unofficially hit is you know when did it turn when did it feel like the game kind of flipped this was it felt like that the whole time yeah from the first time the Rams scored into that second possession that the Cardinals had it just felt like the Cardinals were on the run the entire game and the Rams offensively after that first drive just pulling all the right levers at all the right times yeah, the the fade ball felt like an exclamation point. Like, yeah. just it, it really did. Like, here we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, oh yeah, we we that was casual. Like, that's kind of what it felt like. It was like everything leading up to that, and just Stafford going exactly to the right spot with it. That's what it felt like. And this was the first time I've really, in a while, maybe since early in the season, that the Rams defense felt like they had speed. Like they actually like were playing fast. They were playing like sh- very assured of themselves, especially compared to last week against the 49ers. And it was like, oh yeah, this team has a lot of good players. <laughs> they maybe not the safety position, but they, you know, guys performed tonight. But it, it didn't was, matter tonight. Didn't matter tonight at all. Uh, but it's like, but it's, with this offense and just seeing the their big players make big time plays, the Von Miller. OBJ finally getting into the game and that that makes so much sense and it was just awesome seeing Cam Akers in the run game like kind of exploding a little bit it's seeing all the different ways that this team can attack you offensively defensively it's like oh yeah this Rams team they can make noise they can do stuff and yeah it looked really good tonight this is a reminder to me this game that playoff games are comprised of four five six moments you know yeah. that's usually what swings these things and when you're a team like the rams we can have conversations about value till we're blue in the face about some of the moves the rams made and how much they paid for matthew stafford how much they paid at midseason for von miller whatever this is about stacking up guys who are mismatches and matchup problems if you can find those four five six plays over the course of a playoff game where you have these mismatches, these splash play creators, these guys who can ultimately rise above and make some of those plays for you, it goes a long way at this portion of the season. And you can just list off the Rams that made plays like that tonight, right? Like OBJ going to get that fade, he snatches that ball Mm -hmm. out of the air. That is not a play that any receiver in the world can make. Plug in replacement level X. That's not that type of play. That's why you go get him. 
Yep. Von Miller has a sack today. A couple big plays against the run, a big TFL. Again, splash-like plays. And then obviously Stafford, right? Yes. When you go yes. get Stafford, I mean, it's so easy to look at an EPA chart and look how up and down they've been and just kind of see what they paid for him and say, is this worth it? And then you watch a game like tonight and you just see some of those throws, some of the backside digs being in play again, just how many times he's able to wait for something on the backside to come open or come all the way through and hit something late because of the arm strength. This is just a reminder again of just how much it opens the offense, how much the yes. book expands because he's there. So yes. when you watch this game, who knows what's going to happen against the Bucks next week? Who knows if they ultimately win the Super Bowl? But you can understand why if you're less need in Sean McVay you think look at this like look at the monsters that we have in these moments it's going to be important and tonight felt like that when you can get an entire a defense to just stop running man coverage because they're just so terrified uh, of what you have <laughs> like that's such a feather in your cap just such an ace up your sleeve and that's what it that's what it is that because so much in football t- comes down to Hey, let's make the other team make a play, whether it be the other team's quarterback or the DBs to defend you, the pass rush to get home some way, shape or form. And with like tonight, like you say, you could see this is where the stars come to play, like the fade ball. That's a one on one, true one on one, no help. That's the only throw Stafford had because they're double teaming Cooper Cup. The other routes were meant to beat zone. That's what the trip side's for. So this is why you get an X receiver. And also the the other Cooper Cup uh, the Cooper Cup touchdown when Stafford kind of like half rolled on it mm-hmm. against cover zero. I mean that's what throughout the league. I mean think of uh, the Ravens versus the 49ers in the Super Bowl in New Orleans when the lights went out. That last the last three four plays were cover zero cover zero cover zero cover zero because what they're doing is hey we're making the quarterback make a play. He has to be right with his read and then he has to deliver a throw. Well, you see how Stafford, he's not going to scramble. If you see Lamar Jackson playing against that, he's going to try and break contain all the way around. But instead, Stafford's just like doing a little half roll, throws a sidearm throw. Cooper Cup, just as he's turning his head, he's winning his one-on-one. And that's why you have the stars. It's If they want to post some one-on-one situations, we're going to make them pay. And that's what the Rams are trying to do. They're going to make you try and play basic. And the like... And when you see that when the Cardinals had to play basic, the run game benefits. Everybody else gets the benefits because what the stars bring. The run game was fun to watch. I mean, it the, was. the burst that Akers has is wild. I mean, <laughs> Six it, months. It makes absolutely no sense coming off an Achilles to look like that. And the offensive line, I thought, played well. Very really well. good job of climbing to the second level throughout the game. You know, guys getting free releases and getting up there. I mean, everybody had I mean, to the point that <laughs> they, uh, Austin Corbett almost blew out Andrew Whitworth's knee because he's banking so, the guys so hard on the yeah. first drive of the game. And there was a lot of that. You know, Brian Allen, I think, had a couple nice plays in space climbing to the second level. They had some splash runs in this game. Yeah. And you combined on offense for the Rams the sheer talent level that they have at some of these positions with, again, McVay seeming like he was pressing all the right buttons. He knew in those first few drives exactly what he wanted. That first play that sticks out in my mind, Cup and OBJ are stacked on the right side. They send Cup in jet motion, play action, and they have the leverage on the outside corner now, and OBJ runs the little post behind it and splash play. It's yep. like, all right, It's if we're going to be smashing the easy buttons today, then it's going to be a long, long day. On that same drive, they high-load Isaiah Simmons with Cup, and then Higby came behind it on a little dig, mm-hmm. made it easy, and then they set up the fade of the touchdown. And the cool part about the fade is they ran a similar look inside the five the last time these two teams played. Slant, right? And they ran a slant. So yeah. it's just, again, being one step ahead, and yeah. it kind of felt like they were one step ahead the entire game. 
Yeah, it when they uh, the Cardinals were playing too high a lot on base downs, it seemed like on rundowns, first and second down. And that's why you saw the Rams starting to get to weak side zone, which is uh, open side zone away from the tight end. If you ever see a, r- a zone run play, it's weak side zone, weak away from the tight end. And you can get to that run if it's a light box, if the safety is not going to rotate down. And a lot of times you'd see the Cardinal safety on the backside kind of fanning like, well, I'm coming down, I'm coming down. But Another hint, if, if you ever look at the linebackers where they're shifted over, if they're bossed or bowed over, then you can the safety usually fills that void. But the Cardinals linebackers were just standing there. So the safety's doing all the up and down, up and down. And Stafford's like, ah, uh, kill, kill. We're going right at it. And they would just, you know, or can't, can for them. But they would just go, you know, to the weak side zone. And that's why they were able to get to that. And that's what's been fun this year, as you've seen uh, against the Bills. The, the Colts did the same thing because – the Bills would have two high safeties, and you know they were running away from that safety coming down. So it was cool to see that they ran the the split zone a little bit. It was just a, it was like a vintage Rams run game performance. It was all the good stuff. Maybe not some jet sweeps to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, but it was it was you know the fun zone game, the split zones, the outside zones, the weak side zones, the windbacks, and that was really cool to see that element really to the forefront again. Maybe not to the same extent, but kind no. of a similar vibe to what we were talking about with the Bills after Saturday night with a team that if you're going to get light boxes, which they have all season, yeah. can you make teams pay? Can you yep. run teams out of them? Can you run the ball when they're telling you and forcing you to run the ball? The answer for the Rams recently has been yes. Mm-hmm. You know, when they kind of transition to Sony Michelle as that more physical, steady presence back there, that was one way of doing it. Now you have those five, six yard Sony Michelle runs yep. turning into 14 yard Cam Akers runs, and things suddenly start to get very interesting. Speaking of Akers, the one play that I stuck out to me, there was a play on their third possession where they bought Bruta, bought Bruta Baker off the right side on a blitz. And I hope Bruta Baker's okay, by the way. I mean, that's oh, just no. one thing that's going to stick with me. Really fun player. Super smart guy, really thoughtful. I talked to him for that Cardinals defense piece I did earlier this year. Just really appreciated that conversation that I had with him. And such a fun player to watch. And his style of play is just really unique. And those moments are really hard to watch. So I'm thinking about him, and I hope that he everything we hear about that in the next couple days is okay. But he comes off the the right side, and Akers does a great job of picking it up. Great job. And when you blitz this Rams team, you're in trouble. Yeah. At a certain point, you feel like you have to when they're moving the ball that easily. Yeah. But Akers picks it up. Stafford's reading the right side, doesn't like it, comes back to a little reverse whip to Higby on the backside of it. When they're playing like that, when they're blocking that stuff up and hitting backside in breakers as the last breaking case of emergency option, that's when you're in a lot of trouble. And then on that same drive is when they hit the little fade wheel whatever you want to call it to obj <laughs> out of that little stack another just win by design you yeah. when you're winning by design and your players are better that's the result <laughs> you see tonight it's when you're getting to the number four read i guess against the blitz usually we, we talk about blitzing a lot as quarterbacks go what one and done right or one and scramble maybe get to the, the step you want to see is that they get to number two but when you're getting to backside whips or the digs those are number three number four and you're going against a blitz usually you're warm quote unquote quarterbacks are warm you're not hot but you're like okay i know i gotta get rid of this ball but not the Rams. Nope. We're, we're, we're hunting for deep digs. That's where, where we see uh, the, the trade-off with Robert Woods and OBJ running, being on the backside, because that's kind of where the Rams would have them a lot was being the backside dig guy on those deeper concepts. 
Van Jefferson or Cooper Cup would be the over guy. And is okay, Robert Woods is a little more detailed with his routes, but then it's but then OBJ catches the ball and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's a different level. And that's what's the trade off. It's like, yeah, he doesn't, he lacks some detail, but oh my God, get the ball in his hands and just let him go because that guy moves at a different speed. And when you like Stafford actually can get to those throws in the progression of the play, and it's not just some designer play, like, oh, we're just going to spam OBJ. That's so, so scary to get to for an offense. And they're doing it against blitzes, which is even crazier. Speaking of and blitz, uh, speaking of blitzes, that's what really stuck out to me about the Rams' approach on defense. They were bringing five man pressures yep. all day, and right off the bat, they, <laughs> right off the bat, and just little different flavors throughout the game. I love so Eric Henderson is their defensive line coach. He's been there for several different years through a couple of defensive coordinators, and I think that they've done such a good job of finding ways to get Donald one on one. Right, like mm-hmm. that's not easy to do when teams are so focused on him. But a couple different ways they did it in this game where they'll have three guys to the right side just to set up one-on-ones for him. They'll have the nose on the backside cross the center's face so it sets up an artificial one-on-one. They'll bring five-man pressures. And they did that consistently in this game. I mean, even the Troy Reader sack is a five-man pressure, and they have the nose slant all the way across the center so Reader's one-on-one with the Mm -hmm. back. Like They just had such a good handle of what the protection schemes were going to look like from this Arizona team and how to take advantage of them in those high leverage moments. And you could see how disciplined they played. Like they were, they were playing fast, but not out of control. I think which is always what you want. (laughs) I mean, in any type of sport and it's such a difference from the first game that they played against the Cardinals in LA where it was like, they were, yeah, hair was on fire, but they're running right past Kyler. Like it was like Kyler was taking his deep dropbacks, and so were the so were the pass rush lanes. They were like twelve yards, fourteen yards. Well, did deep. you see that they were folding guys back behind every once in a while? It's, the on, uh, it's on the non-twist side. Yep. So it's, on the stunt side, they're trying to get home with the stunt, and then it looks like he has the front door to go out of on the other side. Yep. But you have somebody folding back to be it's there waiting gold. for him. It's a yep. really good idea, and that's again gets back to this idea in the playoffs. These are matchup games, man. Yep. If you got answers for a one whole game, yep. this is what can happen. You can just totally solve a team and make them look silly yep. for 60 minutes. I mean, these two teams played in the regular season twice. Close games. Yep. It's not as if this is some crazy outcome. It's like, oh, man, I guess the Rams are just way better than the Cardinals. But these types of games, if you have the matchups, if you have the game plan, you can blow a team's doors off. Yes. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Uh, one guy else, uh, one more person I wanted to mention on the defense. Leonard Floyd is such a weird player in a good way. Like yeah. it just he does so many things that aren't necessarily the way that a true $15 million edge rusher would affect the game, but he still affects the game. Yeah. Like the play where he forces the interception on the screen because he just blows up the right tackle. That's just a length, power, yep. explosion thing. No finesse to that whatsoever. <laughs> there on right on the same drive where Donald had his sack, they had a little stunt with Floyd and Gray Gaines, and Floyd just earholed the guard on the stunt. I mean, this is a small thing. Like most yeah. guys can do that, but just the physicality he plays with, and just he's a super role player. Like we say yeah. that a lot with super yes. role players. He yes. is the epitome of a super role player. He, I just noticed him in a bunch of different ways tonight. And bringing up the ear hole on the games, that's exactly what it is. Like when you have one of those guys that's like, 
if he's your number three rusher, you're like, oh yeah, the, now exactly. we're cooking. Yes. It's like it's like super role player is the best way to put it. It's like having a pass catcher that you're like, you know, he he is not like you don't want to have a, like thirty targets or you know not thirty but fifteen targets a game, but seven. Yeah, now we're talking. That's the exact same thing. It's like you don't want him, you know, being soloed up like Aaron Donald and going like and designing everything for him. But you love him as the penetrator, as like just kicking the right guard, right, right, knocking him over. And that's exactly what you need those types of guys. That's what a good defense has. They have the stars, but then they have, you know, a couple of the other auxiliary guys that are like, oh, yeah, he's pretty damn good, too. But that uh, really, too, was Taven Howard, uh, number 32. Like he he had a couple plays tonight and uh, watching him. I want to say it was a 49ers game, him being in the box with Troy Reader, because I couldn't stop staring at Troy Reader, was was he was in there as two because he's just he's like a lighter body. He's like 215. He plays in the box a bunch of times. He works 32. So you're like, oh, he's a safety, but he's an inside linebacker. This Cardinals defense, it, it's a it's a disaster with the numbers. They're trying to just screw with you at all <laughs> times. Are, I hate it. Oh, all the teams. Oh my God. Seeing the Rams, the corner where uh what's his face were number eleven. Darius Williams, it should oh be it's a crime. God. It should be illegal. I hate it every single time. Anyway. Insane. I know. I can't stand. <laughs> that i know i i single digits is okay for corners like we i think we got to reestablish the numbering rules like we let it go cr- too crazy the first year because it, it hurts my brain because that's how you do personnel so many times even when they switch to like oh linebackers can wear 40s that sucked because you're like oh it could be a safety uh 42 <laughs> that could be a safety and then you're like because that's just the gimme for personnel but that's my quality control rant for the game <laughs> What did you like from him, though? Just, I mean, do you oh, feel like... He- sorry, yeah. Sorry, just got around the ball a few times. He had, um, in coverage, he did a couple nice things, and that's why you want him in there. When you're especially playing a team like the Cardinals that have so much speed, you know, they're built on that and being on the in- in- interior of the, of, the, of the defense. So, like, trying to attack that, that's where I thought the Cardinals would go against. So, seeing him and just run around being uh, playing all these balls and stuff like that, it was really cool to see him in coverage because that's what you want him in there he's 215 he's not gonna be playing the run so we'll see how it goes against the box uh <laughs> next week when he has to play a little more loaded boxes so first glance at that game i mean this rams offense is a different beast for todd bowles and the team he just played against right you're not going to see a 40 percent blitz rate next week against this <laughs> rams offense if you're tampa bay the same way you did against jalen hurts and yeah. it's a fun game we've already yeah. seen it once this year it feels like these teams are very different in a lot of different ways but I'm excited. I mean, this is the type of it feels like we could have fast forwarded through a lot of this week and yeah, gotten to yeah. the matchups on next weekend. And I think this is exactly exactly that. I'm just ready to watch this game. And I probably didn't need to watch the Cardinals Rams game. And also just the question marks. It's not even like these teams. It's going to be fun to watch this. Maybe this Rams like what are they doing this week? Because especially on defense and because it's going to be so funny going against the box too. It's OK. Worf's is game time decision. So. All right. So now. How do the Rams configure their line? Where does Ramsey, does he travel with Mike Evans? Like does on the Debo kind of schedule, like that's going to be really interesting. Or does he stay in the inside worried about Gronk in the backs, you know, getting all the checkdowns and stuff. I know there's just little tweaks like that. I'm just really curious. And also when we talk about stars, Tom Brady, that's all, that's all we need to talk about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. 
is as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right. It's time to talk about what happens next with the Arizona Cardinals, because I think you could think of this in a couple different ways, right? You could look at what this Cardinal season was and say, it's a step up. Playoff game. Made the playoffs. Offense took a step forward. Kyler looked like an MVP candidate for a huge chunk of the season. You know, before they lose DeAndre Hopkins, they've definitely feel like they figured out a different gear offensively. They lose him. They take a step back. Ultimately, season fizzles out, but things are progressing in the right direction. Now, if we do this, do that, X, Y, maybe we can get over the hump next year. We're building something. Or you can look at it and say, have we reached a ceiling with whatever this offense is, with the way they've built this team, with this current structure? Are you really lying to yourself when you say Kyler couldn't be more with different help or a different plan, and he's too good for them to hit this sort of wall? I understand it both ways, but I do think that's kind of the deep down existential question that the Cardinals are going to have to ask themselves this offseason. Yeah, and when Cliff took over the team, too, it we got to remember that roster sucked. That yes. was, a, <laughs> that I was agree. It was a barren roster, and then they got Kyler, and that's that first year is whatever. Hey, I hope to see some fun. Let's see what happens. Last year started hot, trailed at the end of the year. You know, we kind of tapered off. To, Kyler got hurt. It was almost deja vu this year a little bit. It's I haven't seen anything from Cliff, and I know I've been hard on him on this show several times, but I I came around a little bit this year uh, was that there's no adjustments that happened throughout the season or the game. It it just seemed like a lot of the times we, they, it was playing a one page behind when things weren't going his way, you know, beginning of the year, especially when they're, it's they're blitzing teams offensively. They're just getting after him wave after wave, but that's always been the joke. It's Kyler, go do something. You never know what their play is. We can say, Oh, it's an air raid offense, but not really. I mean, you get the ball out quick. I guess that's a little aspects of it. Terminology. I'm sure there's some carryover. They run mesh. I guess, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of wide receiver screens, a lot of water. Oh, yes. To replace the run game. But then that was the thing, too, is they actually had a good run game, which that's a whole nother discussion as well. So it just felt like to me, it was just throwing shit against the wall, seeing what sticks. Hey, we got Kyler. We got DeAndre Hopkins dunking on guys. OK, but then what? What happens when you get one arm tied behind the back? Well, how do you pivot? How do you what's your new path to success? And if you want to be an offensive head coach and call in the plays, it's like, well, that's going to fall on you. However, that goes. And it just seems like this roster is just. It's patch holes like, you know, uh, JJ Watts. Nice and seeing him come back. But it's like, is he a long term building piece? You know, a Rodney Hudson. Is that a long term building piece? And AJ Green, like just it feels like this roster is like in a win now stage, even though Kyler is so young. And that's just such a weird dynamic to be in. Um, it just feels to me it's it's the same issues that we've seen the three years with Cliff at the helm. Um, but I also do think that the roster is a little rough. And I think whoever's going to be calling plays there, if it's Cliff Still or whoever comes next, is it's the Kyler offense. Like he has his limitations in certain ways, but it's you know it's exciting and everything. But is it going to be a lot of the Kyler offense, or is there someone going to get in the ear and be that Matt Lafleur type that kind of 
bridges Kyler offense with other ideals and other like kind of concepts. Who are the five best players on the Cardinals? Like serious question. Like if okay. you were thinking about the build outside of Kyler, if you were thinking about the building blocks, like the guys who are the foundation of the Cardinals roster, who are the five guys that you would say? So it's Buda Baker. It's yep. Kyler. It's, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I guess, but he's what? Is he about to turn 30? Is he 29? About to turn 30. Yep. About to turn 30. Uh, the two first round picks from the last year, the linebackers aren't guys that you're like, oh, wow, that's going to be a future star. They're still question marks. I mean, for better or for worse, it's first and second year. Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, their corners are barren. <laughs> I mean, it just is. Offensive line, DJ Humphreys is fine. Um, you know, he's a solid starter at the left tackle position, but other than that on the offensive line, James Connors, your best back, you like Edmonds, but I really, I'm, I'm trying to go over the whole roster in my brain right now to try and think of four and five right now. <laughs> that's Christian Kirk. Um, I who's guess, a free agent but, this year, by the way, and who's a free agent. And that's the thing is all their other guys, the Zach Ertz, the AJ greens, all the other plus players are rentals. Basically they're not, they like all went actual. and got old. They went and got older rentals yes. at a lot of these spots. Yes. And I think that you can see those older rentals with big names and think, oh, man, look at all the guys they added this year. Yeah. But you look at kind of the underlying foundational aspects of the roster, the connective tissue that we talk about, and it's not that good. No. You know, they have they haven't really developed any young in-house players. Buda Baker, okay. but that was several drafts ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and Buda's a really good player. I think DJ Humphreys is a success story in terms of you draft a tackle, you develop a tackle. But yeah. guess what? That was 2015. Yeah, that was he's, so long He's going to be 30 soon. That was a long time ago. So I mean, there are. (laughs) I mean, you look at it, and there are so many, and you can feel. And again, this has happened years ago, but you can feel some of the barren drafts that they had. Right. Mm -hmm. So 2016, they drafted Kim DJ in the first round. I don't know why they didn't have a second round pick that year, but they didn't. So and then Brandon Williams in the third round, Evan Bame in the fourth round. So that draft is just a no dice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Reddick in the first round the year after, who had one really good year in a contract yep. year and, and is now away. gone. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I assume because, well, I'm trying to think of the deals they signed this in, this year in free agency. They re-signed if, Golden. Well, yeah. they re-signed Golden. JJ was cut, yep. so they may get some sort of comp pick for Reddick. So maybe that you can construe that. But everyone else, the Buddha and then Chad Williams was in that draft, and then 2018, Josh Rosen in the first round, Mason <laughs> Cole in the third round. And 2019, that's the Andy Isabella draft. Yeah. Drafted him 62nd, drafted Akeem Butler in the fourth round. Oh, yeah. So there are, and then you look at 2020 draft, you trade your second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Third round pick is they drafted Josh Jones. We all love that pick in the moment because everyone thought he was like a borderline first round prospect. He couldn't beat out Max Garcia for the right guard job say. this year. <laughs> so you look at it, and, and then the linebackers are a perfect thing to bring up because that's the problem is that those guys have not developed into really, really good players. And you draft these guys like an Isaiah Simmons, hoping he'll be this matchup destroyer, matchup, yeah. and he can't play linebacker. Nope. And that's it's the problem when you invest those sort of resources in that position, yeah. is that you don't need like an outstanding, off-the-charts athlete to be a really good linebacker. It helps when it hits, but it's not a yeah. prerequisite. So when you spend all the draft capital they've spent at linebacker, all of the draft capital that they've spent, where your your defense has holes elsewhere. On offense, they drafted Rondell Moore as like a gadget player in the second round. Who chips chips releases right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> understandable when yeah. you want to be this offensively. But mm -hmm. then you roll out Max Garcia and Kelvin Beecham on the right side of your offensive line, and you literally cannot block the Rams in a playoff game. And that's the problem is that when you look at, well, what do they need? They need a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they probably need another corner. Robert Alford is a free agent this year. Do you want to roll with Marco Wilson out there again? Maybe he takes a step forward. That's totally reasonable. But the offensive line, the right side absolutely needs work. There are so many different holes in the roster and the run defense, the fact that it's not very good at all when you've invested all of this draft capital in linebackers yeah. who can't consistently play off the ball and you fail to develop them. It's just it, when you look at the plan overall, it just feels like a lot of, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's yes. nice. And you look at the cohesive nature of the roster and I think that it leaves you wanting more. Oh, yeah. So what are they is, I think, a real question. <laughs> They're putting their team together by Madden overall rating. That's that's <laughs> what they did. I mean, really, and that's exactly it. The, the two linebacker picks. Okay, the Isaiah Simmons is you're betting on the talent, and you hope he figures it out because that, like you said, it's a matchup. It's and I can understand matchup. that. I, I can get, understand that. I, it's a home they have run. They fall in love with so many of those guys. The though. hybrid guys, right? That's what Reddick was. They yes. could, people can figure out if he's the edge Buchanan player. Was that? Yep. <laughs> I think that's the thing is Buchanan and Tyra and Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, kind of like warped. Their scouting process. They're like, no, we're going to find these hybrid guys, these in betweeners, and we're going to hit on them because that's exactly. Even if you, I don't know, if Deion Buchanan was a hit hit, but it, they made it work. But it, but he had a couple years. Yeah, he had a couple years. And but the, just honestly, like getting Simmons and then Zayvon Collins, they were trying to find places to get him on the field. He couldn't beat out Jordan Hicks, and also they're putting him on he the edge. He couldn't beat out Tanner Vallejo in the second right. half of the season. It wasn't Jordan Hooks. Jordan, Jordan Hicks was always playing. Yeah. But it was the fact that your first round, what top twenty pick is not playing, you know, fifty plus snaps a game is a huge, huge issue at a position that other teams are trying to get cheaper at. Like I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I'm saying that's where you find these types of guys now, second and third round. So if you're taking a guy in the top twenty, that guy better be playing seventy five percent of your snaps. Uh, you know, honestly, just has to be on the field. And it, it, when you've spent two first round picks at that position. And you those don't those aren't monster home runs. You can yep. see where it leaves the rest of your defense. Yep. I think you know this team has some wiggle room in free agency. They have some money to make some moves if they want to. You know, Jordan Phillips is a big contract that they also had to restructure in order to fit Zach Ertz under the cap. But there's a lot of things going on here. But they'll they have some wiggle room if they want to add a couple pieces. They have their full slate of draft picks. I'd have to assume they haven't really made any deals. So, yeah. They traded away their third round pick last year for Rodney Hudson, which is another good example of this, by the way. Understandable in the moment, uh, yeah. but it leaves you in a certain place. Yes. yes. So can you rationalize the, all right, if we maybe go get a guard in free agency, if we try to draft a tackle, if that's where we focus our resources and from left to right, it becomes Humphreys, Pugh, Hudson, free agent, free agent guard X, draft pick Y at right tackle. You have DeAndre Hopkins back. You have Rondo mm -hmm. Moore. We'll see what happens at those other receiver spots. You know, hopefully you can find somebody to fill one of those roles. And then next year, I think Chase Edmonds and James Conner are free agents. So that's something you have to worry about. My thing is here is I try to talk myself into this. We're just spinning our wheels here. Yeah. Like, are you going to get there? And next year, this is going to be a nine and eight team. Yep. And we just went through this entire charade for and nothing. That would be in. my concern. Yeah, I I, I could absolutely see that on the horizon, but after the season that they had, I feel like you kind of have to commit to this again. 
Yeah, it's it's almost a two year plan. If you're if you're buying back into it, you're like, hey, he's in here for two more years because he has to see this out. That's kind of what it is, though, because like you say, if they go nine and eight after doing those types of moves, I like that plan, though. Nice job. Maybe you should be GM. But it was a yeah, it's a nice plan for like what that's really what they, <laughs> My, they got. If I were the GM, every single meeting would start with we need better offensive linemen. So <laughs> sign I mean, a guard for this- agency, draft a tackle, <laughs> sign a guard for agency and take a receiver in the second round. That's our. <laughs> Your, that's your team building strategy. But honestly, like really, that's what it is. And But say next year they go nine and eight or they squeeze in with the seven seed, you know, and some of the guys, the young guys actually look okay. And this like, now it's, are you talking yourself in the cliff again? What if he hasn't adjusted? What if Kyler gets hurt? Kyler fades in the second half of the year and then you're kind of in this sand pit again. So I, I don't know if that's what you want or not. <laughs> that's that's what's kind of like so weird about this franchise is that I could see them talking themselves into anything. The problem is one more year in the sand pit. It's like, all right, it's one more year. Again, we've committed to this vision. We are a playoff team. You God, see what you can what adjustments you can make. We're looking at 19, 20, 21, 22. Those are the first four years of Kyler's deal. Yep. So we're at 2023 now with him on his fifth year option and you have poof. Yeah. His cheap his cheap years and that advantage that you can create is up in smoke. Yep. So I think that's kind of the the long look you have to long conversation you have to have with yourself in the mirror is like what are we doing? Where are we yep. going? Are we really closer? Are are it not even are we yep. closer? Like, because I think the, you, there can be two different things, right? You can be closer but not within real reach. Like, have we reached our artificial ceiling where even if we, on paper, all of the optics, we have improved, but we're really no closer to the ultimate goal because this group can't take us there? And I think that's the question that you have to ask. I I don't know the answer. I really don't. It's it's a tough thing because you look at what they've been in stretches this year and you look at what Kyler's been in stretches this year and it's easy to talk yourself into Mm -hmm. we're close we're close. He absolutely took a step forward. The, oh, yeah. the level he was playing at this year, and again, just some of the eye-popping plays that he's capable of making. The whole shot to AJ Green today. Yeah. That throw. Like those throws, he his highs are as high as anybody's mm-hmm. as a thrower, let alone what he can do with his legs and out of structure and all of that other stuff. So I I can see your I can understand talking yourself into it. I get how you just get there and the rationalization starts to pile up because of all of that stuff. But at the same time, I'm wondering if you're twisting yourself in circles and ultimately you're going to be disappointed when it's this time next year, you've fallen just short of the playoffs and you wonder what we're supposed to do next. And it feels exactly the same. It's the third story. It's the, it's the third season in a row where it feels the same. Yeah. And absolutely what you said about Kyler, that's, even his intermediate throws throughout the year have gotten better working, operating from the pocket. It's he does, he makes his teammates better. And that's what they, they hit it. Like he's, he's a very, very good quarterback. It's now, do we keep running mesh shut up empty every third down? Do we keep like, is that working? Is that, Hey, well, yeah, Coward's comfortable with it, but is it what you want? Where's the ceiling? What's what ceiling are you building? That's that's what the Cardinals have to figure out. I think this is him being that type of quarterback that makes his teammates better. He's a high level quarterback. Yep. I think you, you can look at it two different ways. And I think this is the, the question at the center of all of this. Do you say when you have one of those guys, you're always pretty close it's worth the tinkering because why blow it up or why yeah. start over when you have that at the center of it? You're always closer than you think. Or do you go the other way and say, we have one of those guys. 
we have to get the most out of him. Have to get we it right. We can't have those kind of shackles on him where we're pulling him back in any sort of way. Because when you have one of those guys, you need to do everything you can yep. to be a top three offense, a consistent offense, like a world destroying offense. Yes. So I think and those are, you can look at it both of those ways and the, what they choose to do and the way they choose to look at it, I think ultimately will decide how they approach this offseason. Yeah, uh, that's when we were talking about the Jaguars, their offense, or what they should do, their next step. It's, hey, let's just build a superpower on offense around our potential star quarterback and then figure everything else out. And that's what you should do. You already answered the question with Kyler. He, he's he's borderline star quarterback. Like he is an MV, he was an MVP candidate for the first half of the year. We're done. We're good. Hey, he can make teammates better. He he lifts our bar every single week. He can cover up us running five plays, like and just make things happen out of structure. Okay. Why don't we just build an identity where it's like, hey, let's just make this team a 40 point any week. They could drop a 40 burger on somebody. That's what it should be. But now are they going to do it in a way where it's like, hey, let's get the like you said, the shiny toys. Let's get the weapons for him, even though he makes our t- his teammates better. Or do we get like, let's protect him and like, let's make that better. So we get the superpower. So we'll see. We'll see. The, the Cardinals don't do anything normal, it feels like. So we'll see. <laughs> this is the same franchise that took quarterbacks two years in a row. So <laughs> I think we should. We definitely should have spent more time coming into the season looking at the idea of the Cardinals rolling out Max Garcia and Calvin Beecham as the right side of their offensive line in 2021 as a real thing. Yeah. You know, Calvin Beecham, by up. all accounts, is wonderful guy. You know, I've had conversations with him in the past. I mean, stellar marks from anyone who's ever come in contact with him. He has been a plug sort of offensive tackle for the last few years. I mean, Max Garcia were years removed from him being part of those teams in Denver. It's mm-hmm. the fact that that's your right side with a quarterback. You spent all of this, all of these resources on. It's like, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, I really don't know. And we just didn't think about it at all because again, we got distracted by the shiny names and it's easy to forget that the foundation of the house has cracks in it. Yeah. The most excited we got, like me and you was, Hey, Oh my God, they got Rodney Hudson because it was, like that was the first semblance. I was like, "Hey, they're putting competency around Kyler." That was my first like inkling of that. But then, yeah, like you say, all of a sudden you see Garcia lining up at right guard right next to him. And you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and and I mean, and when you go with Kyler too, having guard pressure is so much worse because he's shorter and how he wants to escape. He usually likes to step up and out, you know. Like, but now when you have guard pressure pushing into him, that's just oh, it just compounds errors. It's almost like you want the strong guards instead of the tackles with him. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the things they're going to have to consider. It's like, all yep. right, what what really? is this going to look like for <laughs> yeah. us? And what, what do we really have to prioritize this offseason? Before we get out of here, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with the Cardinals? Anything else you feel like you wanted to hit? No, I I, I think uh, I, I, the defense was fun at times this year. They kind of fell apart uh, near the end of the year. Just kind of it is what it is. It's hard to win with <laughs> lack of corners. But uh, I, they did a great job hiding it for a good chunk of the did. year. I thought the Vance Joseph did, did a really good job coordinating that defense this year. We that's that's us just breaking down the roster, trying to list off five players. That kind of speaks to what he did, what Vance Joseph did, because we couldn't yeah. name a guy that's a building block that they have on that defense. So, and you know, the offense does do fun things, but it's just it's hard to hold up for. Yes, you can get lucky for weeks, not lucky, but you can get some wins during the week, but it's hard to sustain. And I think that's why they fall off in the second half of the year. It's just that they, they can't pivot. They can't find that new path, that change up, whatever idiom I've thrown out here on the show. But it's like 
they they have that's the struggle with Cliff, not only just in game, but throughout an entire season, is finding that next answer when teams start taking away the number one answer on stuff. And also just overcoming the injuries. Okay, one guy, one receiver knocking you out or get going out, DeAndre Hopkins, shouldn't cripple an entire offense. Not it, when you it, have that quarterback. No, it, yeah, exactly. If Kyler's out, okay, all right, all right, now we're talking, but yeah, it's just it's very frustrating sometimes to watch it. But yeah, that's my obituary on the Cardinals for 2021. One other guy I'll mention, I do like Jalen Thompson. I think Jalen Thompson is an interesting player that allows them to do a bunch of different stuff. I think he's had some really nice moments this year, even if he's also had some some blows, but he's still yeah. a young player. All right. Very quickly. One thing that has happened since the last time we recorded and since Mitch and I recorded the mailbag, which will also run tomorrow, just so you guys be on the lookout for that. Mike Mayak was fired uh, by all accounts in a very strange way, according to everything that's come out from Albert Breer over the last few hours. He did not know that the, the scouts did not know they were apparently requesting people for the GM job while the scouting staff was still working. Yep. Cool franchise. Good job, that's guys. What they do. That's kind of what they do. They live in their own world. We talked about the Cardinals live in their own world, right? The Raiders are, uh, yeah, it's not a lot of land. It's LV land, LV land, but it's kind of, that's just what it is. It's just their own, their own situation. They're their own franchise. <laughs> anyway, they need a general manager. We talked about this a little bit. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it. We, we talked about it in our Raiders postmortem, the idea that the roster is kind of interesting. You know, I, I think of, that you yeah. can talk yourself into it because they do have some really good players at premium positions. You have quarterback play that you don't always have when you're walking into a new team, a blank mm-hmm. slate, a kind of a canvas and is it from a team building perspective? So, uh, obviously, you always have to consider the type of shit that happened today. Like yep. that's the consideration when you're going to take this job is that you have to worry about who's in charge and you have to worry about the way they operate. And there yep. are going to be hangups and challenges associated with that. Yes. But if you just look at the football side of it, I think it's a pretty interesting gig. It is a little room to work with, you know, and like you said, it's not, it's competent quarterback play, which is not a lot of team. Look at all the other openings that are happening right now. A lot of question marks at that position. And that's the biggest, you know, GM head coach quarterback. I mean, you, those are the three answers you have to fill out. But like you said, it's, <laughs> It's always it's always the ownership. <laughs> it's always starting at the top. You know you have that's the situation you go in when you're part of the Raiders. You know, it's just it, it is what it is with that. So that also just that casts the whole search in a whole new light because it's just it is what it is. Like that's just their situation. They're not another normal football team. But like you said, just strictly football side and cap side, they have their picks, they have car, they have, like you say, a couple of interesting pieces with Redfro. Um, well, Darren Waller's getting a little older, but the but they have some nice pieces throughout Max Crosby. So it's it's a nice, it's got some bait on the hook. Like uh, as opposed to some of these other teams you look at and you're like, oh man, I don't like they got a middle pick. They don't have stuff that can trade for a quarterback. I'm not sure if he's the guy. At least the Raiders, it's like, well, at least I have this answer, and maybe we can find a better answer if we get creative. And what can that, you get for the fun. quarterback? If you want to trade the that quarterback, so there's fun. also an option, right? Yeah. So there's a way to kind of stock the chest. And I, I feel like with the Raiders' GM job, it's similar in my mind to the Bears' GM job, right? Where the void of leadership elsewhere in the organization yeah. creates a need for that. I hold the football vision. I am the centerpiece of yep. – the football side of this organization. That's what they wanted Gruden to be. Yes. Like they understood that vacuum existed. So you try to go get a figurehead like Gruden was. Obviously, we know how that worked out. 
but you need a GM who's going to come in and isn't just like, I'm just going to be holed up picking the players at 2 a.m. in a dark room. That's not what this is. This is the person who needs to be everything for that organization. Yes. Unless they go get another coach that they think can be that. And maybe it's a Harbaugh, whatever. But this is one of those franchises that needs somebody like that. You know, there is no apparatus that's already in place where you just slot a head personnel guy in and he can just kind of put his head down and go to work. Yeah. They need something there. And I feel like those are the types of guys you have to be looking for with this job. Somebody who's going to set that vision for the organization. You mean being a head coach and a GM isn't just picking players and calling plays. Like there's actually other stuff that goes into it. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be shocked about that. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But that's exactly it. It's they need to be more than just, you know, just a ball coach or just a scout like that. That's what exactly it entails or a guy that can do all of it. <laughs> like you said, but interesting franchise as always the Raiders, they just, they never cease to be entertaining. I'll never forget when I did the story about them, about their offensive line that that year where they were really good in 2016 and i was up there talked to your dad for it and i was just in their locker room at their practice facility and i was like this is the facility like, this bank. is the this is the locker room where the nfl team gets ready to go practice yeah it was i was just blown away by after it. renovations too i'm just but... i was just blown away by it i was like man this is really just a different sort of thing i mean obviously things have changed now right i mean that's yeah. why they oh, here moved it's and everything gorgeous. else yeah but it <laughs> oh man it's always interesting when I, it's the oakland raiders i i grew up at winter park in minnesota before they same deal by the oh, way same sort of boy. situation you got so, the boat outside <laughs> that was there from 1968 as nothing had changed since then and then i and then we went to jacksonville after and i was like and they practiced at the stadium there and i was like oh my god like what the real quick story this is this is the difference between a red mccombs minnesota vikings team and then when my dad went to jacksonville and i went to the equipment room there Jacksonville, I'll just say it like this. I was a head coach's kid. I got a hat, a shirt, and a pair of shorts. I never got a sweatshirt. Nothing in like, Minnesota. Not that really, yeah. In Minnesota. That's what, yeah, my bad. In Minnesota. Not that I like asked for it. That's just what was normal. That's just what we got. We're on a budget. Go to Jacksonville. First time I ever go there, the equipment guy there, he's like, hey, Nate. And my dad's like, hey, he wants some cleats and stuff. I was like, oh, I can get cleats? Holy crap. Cool. And the, the equipment guy there just hands me a gigantic like 10-gallon garbage bag and just goes, have at it. And he just let me walk through the inquir- equipment room, How, however much you can fill up. But it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, NFL teams are all run pretty different. That was my first exposure to that. Was when I Well, now it's so funny when you go to Minnesota and they have that palatial Gorgeous. complex. It's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. 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 All right, guys, that's all we got. Just a heads up, if you want to hear more about the Rams, please go listen to 11 Personnel with Jordan Rodriguez, who we talk about all the time on the show. She does an amazing job covering the Rams. And Rich Hammond, who is also with us at The Athletic. If you're a Rams fan and you don't listen to 11 Personnel, I highly recommend you fold that into your routine. You will not regret it. Another thing to keep an eye out on Wednesday, Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline are starting their draft podcast on our feed. The first episode is going to break down just the lay of the land, the landscape of this draft class, how it's kind of muddled at the top, but the mm-hmm. middle tier and kind of the, the meat of the first round is actually pretty interesting. They're going to talk about this quarterback class. It's a little bit different than the last one that we <laughs> talked about last yes. season. So please go check that out. Dane and Lance are going to be with us on Wednesdays throughout the draft. You know, We're also going to be coming to you guys several days a week in the offseason, so it's not replacing anything that we're doing. It's just an addition, and an addition that I am thrilled to have. You know, There are a lot of 
NFL fans right now that are not watching their team in the playoffs. They're already on to draft talk. Their new so season. <laughs> we have brought those guys in to start that show now with you guys in mind. So please go check that out on Wednesday. I promise you, you will enjoy it. We will be back with Mitchell. If you're listening to this on Monday, the show's probably already up. It's going to be up Monday morning. So please listen to the podcast with Mitchell Schwartz and the couple mailbag questions that we did for now. We really appreciate you guys listening. Please go rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It's the end of the season. It would mean a lot to me if you like the show. So go let us know. You know, it's a, it's a small little gift from, from you guys to us. It would be very much appreciated. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. So much great stuff every single day during the NFL playoffs. Indispensable co- coverage and content. If you are an NFL fan and you do not have an athletic subscription, I don't know what you're doing. Please go get one. Theathletic.com slash football show. We will be back later today with Mitchell Schwartz. We'll be back all week with a whole bunch of stuff. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.